Good morning and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here for another morning hangouts and headlines. How are you all doing this morning? It's verdict watch day two, I believe, uh, as the uh, jury in the Depp versus Heard case continues to mull over the evidence before them. And I know everybody's eager to see what that verdict is going to be. After all, we've been covering this trial now for two months. Uh, but I don't actually think it's that big of a deal that the jury has gone into the deliberation chambers uh, for now what will be three calendar days. But realistically, on Friday, they only had the case for a couple of hours. As some members of the panel over at Legal Bites and elsewhere have pointed out, it's a big, messy case, right? It's a case that has multiple instances of allegations over the course of many, many years. And one of the things that the Depp and Heard teams most definitely didn't do was make an easy timeline to follow for the jury. So there could be in the deliberation room making one of those big whiteboard uh, conspiracy theory, always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, maps of what happened to whom and when and whether they believe something or not. Um, so it might be a little while. I thought it would be Thursday of this week. Um, it's Wednesday today. So we'll see how it goes. So my prediction is still tomorrow, uh, but it could come basically at any time. Otherwise, outside of Depp v. Heard, anybody watching cool things? I know I mentioned Stranger Things a lot. I uh, don't get a chance to play many video games right now, uh, as we do a lot of work both on the trial and the law firm and here at Hangouts and Headlines. Uh, but if anybody's seen anything cool, played anything cool, uh, read anything cool, always looking for new books, always love that. Uh, we got some nice good mornings here. We got... UK is here. Hello, United Kingdom. Got some of the emojis here. Uh, Brave New Worlds. Uh, Strange New Worlds is good. Star Trek Brave New World might be very, very different, but that could be an interesting show. Um, but yeah, Strange New Worlds is good. I've seen the first three episodes. I haven't seen the next couple. Good morning. Do you even sleep? Yeah, I just got up. Just got up, got ready for the day. Uh, looked a little bit at the article we're going to be going over today. And got into this stream with all you wonderful people here to uh, to chat with a little bit. Sweden. Hello, Sweden. Australia. Again, every time I see Australia now, I have to mention that uh, it's a star in the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard saga. Thank you, co-counsel. I got a thumbs up there. Doesn't want to be heard on stream. Who uh, <laughs> brought me a tea. Um, what else do we have here? I think I saw Madrid. Uh, and equally exotic, the Jersey Shore. Um, so, uh, it's wonderful to hear from you all. See you all Las Vegas, Nevada. That's really early as we go out West in the United States. So thanks for getting up early. Scotland, Turkey, Norway. It's just so fun to see the various different places that everybody is, is coming in here, uh, with, uh, what else we have? Uh, line has shown. Hey, Mr. Hogue. I just started playing horizon zero dawn. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Now, I do like the sequel more than the original, uh, but the Horizon games are pretty darn cool. Southeast Ohio. I know Southeast Ohio. I've been there. Hello. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, I, oh, I, I, I missed it. It just is updating too fast. Hey, from Michigan, I saw. That's where I am. Uh, hello from Italy, Denmark, South Carolina. This is all fantastic. Uh, 
uh, are you going to cover Acer Thorn? Uh, no, no, probably not. The, the people that are involved in that particular saga, I either know of or have talked to. Uh, so I try not to cover things that I have personal knowledge of, either certainly in a professional capacity. We've talked about attorney-client privilege in this space before, but even in a personal capacity. And I, I, I've talked, uh, I've at least mentioned that to some of the people that are involved that I, I won't be, I won't be otherwise covering it on the channel. Hello, Michiganders. Hello from the Gulf Shores area. That's cool. Los Angeles. It's just really early in California, folks. You talk about me not sleeping. I don't even know how that happens. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I'm sorry. And have zero love for OSU, OSU football. So don't come after me. I won't come after you. I wouldn't come after you if you were the biggest Buckeye fan on earth. That's not what we do here. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jacksonville, Florida, Cincinnati. Very, very cool. 364 days until the next pretzel day. Oh no, did I just did I just miss a pretzel day? Is that is that what happened? Sometimes I'm Stanley from the office and it's pretzel day. But I do know that my wife and daughters are working on making handmade pretzels this weekend. Don't tell them that I know. Uh, but that's always a fun day at Hogue House. Hi from Buffalo. Good morning. All right, look at all these. Luxembourg, have you ever been to Cedar Point? Have you ever been to Cedar Point? I live in Southeast Michigan. Uh, my schools went to Cedar Point for their big field trips at the end of school years. I've been to Cedar Point a dozen or more times. Um, that's a uh, roller coaster park in Ohio, uh, for those of you that don't know. It's a fantastic one, actually. Uh, Ashley uh, Hart, a.k.a. Ashley SPL Life, Good morning, Hogue. Hello from the greater Pittsburgh area. Hello, Pittsburgh. Had a number of debates in Pittsburgh. Can you reshare your Gruden video? I looked last night and could only find the Flores video. Oh my God, I think I got it confused. I didn't cover Gruden separately. I covered Flores. That's my fault. I apologize. You know what? Maybe I'll put that on my list of videos to make. Uh, <laughs> it's Here in week eight of the trial, I literally thought that I had already covered that. And I'm not sure that I haven't referenced the Gruden scenario about confidentiality and data and mail in a different context, but you are absolutely right. I did Flores, not Gruden. So I, my sincere apologies for that. I got that wrong. Uh, a cat, not a zebra. Hogue, yesterday you talked about a lot about games and I never heard you mention The Witcher. My heart broke a little, love your channel. Smiley face emoji, eyes closed smiling emoji. And then it just gives me a little smiley face emoji. Again, that's probably a different one that the, the program doesn't pick up. Okay, so I can be clear on this. The Witcher 3 is one of my top five games of all time. Um, and if you ask me what my favorite game uh, ever is, uh, it's sometimes Star Control 2 and it's sometimes The Witcher 3. They're right up there. Um, so I absolutely love The Witcher series. You, your heart doesn't need to break. It's a fantastic game series. And I am definitely, definitely a fan. Uh, I want NFL coverage. It's really, really funny. If you go through the channel, you will see a number of videos uh, that cover sports. I talk about a rule in a playoff game that I thought was uh, probably properly applied, but led to um, absurd outcomes. I talk about the Flores case against the NFL. I think there's a couple of other ones. I think I talk about a shoe deal, things along those lines, at least at the start of the channel. Whenever I did a sports video, it was always the least watched and I would always lose subscribers. <laughs> so I don't try to make videos that are just following the algorithm because honestly, as I tell people that are getting into this and doing YouTube videos for the first time or otherwise, you have to do what you're interested in. You have to do 
what you think that you can add value to. Uh, because if you just go and chase that trending name, if you just go and trace the chase the algorithm, you're just going to get really, really frustrated with the grind and everything else. It'll become a job at a very fundamental level. Uh, and that was never going to be me. And I honestly don't know what I'm doing when it comes to that stuff anyway. So I go and I make things that I think are interesting. So there was a playoff game in, in the NFL playoffs a couple of years back. And I said, wow, it is really weird that the rules did this various thing. I made a video and this is way, way, way back. I mean, it might be the single digits in terms of virtual legality numbers. Um, and then I looked at the results and I said, okay, well, right now the channel doesn't really want me to do that. So it has to be, uh, it has to be something I'm very, very interested in in order to pass that threshold. So I go and I do that, but it's never really been very popular here on the channel. Now that we're splitting a little bit between kind of the pure technology video games and things like that, and then the headlines, you know, maybe we can have a more generalist approach to these things. I know I mentioned either in this stream or another stream uh, that I'm thinking about doing a Stranger Things postmortem. Honestly, my daughter really wants to be involved in that. She's never been uh, on any of these videos, so we're thinking about it. Um, and it, and it's interesting to, to kind of contemplate that they see their dad doing this all the time. Um, and she's brilliant. She'd have some wonderful thoughts, uh, on this, on the show. Uh, but it would be interesting to kind of, uh, proceed down that road, uh, when I know, um, that it's not always the most positive place to be. So it's, it's, it's interesting to be both a dad and doing this at the same time. Uh, but you want more NFL coverage? If it pops up and it's something that I think I can add value to, I will. Like I said in the Legal Bite stream yesterday, I will absolutely cover the Gruden stuff. Um, I think it'll get settled, so I think that might be what I was waiting for. Um, but if there's more Gruden stuff or headlines, you know, we might wind up dividing this into like video game headline day, sports headline day, uh, just kind of nice fluffy pieces headline day, serious stuff. Um, I don't know what we're gonna do uh, with this entirely, but we've got plans. Um, and I think Hangouts and Headlines is a cool format that I like. Um, so we will be broadening the horizons outside of just Depp and Heard headlines, even though, of course, today we're covering a Depp v. Heard headline, because why not? They're coming out of the woodwork uh, to make these headlines, and there's a lot of interesting things to discuss. Moving forward, afternoon from South Africa. Good afternoon, South Africa. Will you do a video regarding the privacy laws in the U.S. versus different countries? South Africa's POPI differs, in my opinion. That's a hard one to do succinctly. Um, the U.S. doesn't have a federal privacy law. We have state privacy laws right now, and we have generalized rules about um, doing fraudulent things and, and that might cover you in a, in a data privacy context. Europe has the GDPR. I'm not familiar with the POPI. Um, I haven't had to work with South Africa as a jurisdiction very often, um, ever, ever. Lawyers are used to saying things that aren't otherwise guarantees on one end or the other, so I say things like very often. I've never worked with anything in South Africa, so we can, we can level with each other there. Um, but it might be something that I look into. Data stuff is really Byzantine uh, and really complicated. So even when I'm talking to clients, I usually break it down as tell people what you're going to do, do what you said you're going to do, and try to be transparent about that whole process. And then for the various jurisdictions, have buttons and things that people can hit um, to get their information, delete their information, whatever you have to do to comply with whatever jurisdiction you're dealing with. Obviously, that is way, way, way narrowed down from compliance with any of these statutes, but it helps give clients the concepts of what they're looking at. Um, so I will look into it. I will look into it. Thank you for the recommendation. And good afternoon, South Africa. A cat, not a zebra. Heart is unbroken. Fantastic. Love from Belgium. Heart emoji. Band-aid emoji. I thought it was a baguette, um, which wouldn't make much sense. 
so I do try before I say the emojis to make sense out of them first. I know it doesn't sound like it always, and I always try, but I don't always do the best job at it. But hard on broken, love the Witcher, absolutely cat, not a zebra. Bo Mama 8, morning, wave emoji. Caught a little of a discussion with Barrister yesterday, but missed the end. Did he verify a UK action against Amber Heard for perjury? I don't know that he ver verified it. He said he heard the same thing. Um, if I recall correctly, it was a long stream. Um, but um, I don't know that he fully confirmed it other than saying that he was hearing the same things. If I got that wrong, chat, let me know. Um, uh, yesterday had a lot of uh, voices and a lot of people giving uh, giving advice. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, difference between Monica and Amber is Monica actually told the truth. I know a lot of people feel that way about Amber, definitely. And if you don't know, you probably know because the thumbnail is the thumbnail. We're gonna be talking about Monica Lewinsky and her take on all of this Depp v. Heard stuff um, this afternoon. I do want to continue to chat with you a little bit. I'm waiting to see if um, a specific guest uh, comes on here. Uh, but otherwise, um, we're going to go into this article. We're going to do the deep dive that we always do. This is an interesting one. I will just give you the heads up because there is um, there are some good statements in here. There is some good argumentation uh, now, there are effectively appeals to authority. Listen to me because I've gone through something like this, a public scandal before that I don't love in terms of argument. doesn't make it wrong necessarily, uh, but there are some good points and there are some bad points. There are some points where um, it's clear and, and she admits this in the article. She hasn't really watched much of the trial and that she's making broad based generic assumptions about those of you that have. Uh, or otherwise out in society in general. And unfortunately, that seems to be kind of the recipe with these articles is to make these giant pronouncements about how you feel about the trial, what you've been listening to, what you've been reading. And really, that, those kind of pronouncements can't work for any individual person uh, and, uh, and not otherwise. Uh, it can't work generically across every possible person that's looking at these things. And I would argue it doesn't even work generically uh, across uh, many, maybe most of the people that watch these things. Uh, Nicholas Starro, would be fun to see you play and rate games I grew up with, such as Heroes of Might and Magic. Excellent, but got refined into even better. And Legend of Zelda. Zelda, the absolute grandfather of open world adventure games, um, and obviously one that burgeoned an entire series that is still with us today. We're still waiting on the Breath of the Wild sequel uh, from Nintendo. and It's helped that company survive. Uh, many, many, many decades. Uh, Legend of Zelda is excellent. Heroes of Might and Magic, uh, excellent. Although Heroes of Might and Magic, based on a game that I liked uh, maybe a little bit more when Heroes of Might and Magic started, which was called King's Bounty. Um, and so, yeah, no, I could do I could do some retro reviews. Hey, Dad. Good morning. Uh, hello from Northville. Yep. How you doing? And go blue. Go blue. Uh, it's good to see you, Dad. Um, and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation about retro games. I don't know exactly how to uh, how to integrate those kinds of reviews into this channel. We got so many kind of irons in the fire here. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, everybody's happy, which they never will be, uh, which is the constant uh, constant refrain of the content creator. Uh, but I'm enjoying doing all this kind of stuff: the headlines, the video games, the virtual reality propers. Want to start doing more postmortems because I used to love those. Um, where we went over Game of Thrones, where we went over The Last of Us, where we did impressions of games and things. 
Um, you know, bear with me as we figure out exactly what the patterns are of this channel. But, you know, it's going to be that kind of content uh, throughout. We got more highs to dad. Hey, Papa Hope. Um, stop talking randomly about games. Let's talk always about games. Eyes closed, laughing emoji. And this is the this is the issue, right? <laughs> I got some people that are like, why are you talking about games? Games are weird. And I got other people saying, talk always about the games. Uh, and so, you know, like me, myself, we're going to try to do uh, all the things I'm interested in um, at, at whatever thing I think we can offer the most value on. Uh, Rick, did you try check out Triangle Strategy? I've heard mixed opinions. I love Triangle Strategy. Uh, it, its cutscenes are ridiculous long, um, but its strategy is fun. The graphics are fantastic, and the story is interesting. So Triangle Strategy, probably going to wind up on my uh, Games of the Year list uh, at the end. We always do an end-of-year Games of the Year list with my brother, uh, who, if you don't know, develops games, works at the big-time AAA studios. Uh, so we talk to him about these things, and uh, we used to have a show uh, called uh, Two Hogs Are Better Than One. Uh, that hopefully will return as Tom moves to a closer time zone. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I like Triangle Strategy a lot. You've got some other folks playing Heroes of Might and Magic here in the chat. Love that game. Good morning from West Virginia. Father figure hug. You know, I've never referred to him as that. Hello, father figure. I think that's because he's my actual father. Uh, love that Papa Hogue is here on the regular. Yeah, he texts me if I miss a show. Are you kidding me? Part of the reason you're getting shows every day is because dad sends me a text and says, like, where's the show? What's the deal? Why are you not doing a show? Um, and I said, well, dad, I hadn't really planned on doing it every day, but we'll see how it works. Alexander Rola, Brazil. Hello, Brazil. Want to go back to Final Fantasy 14, but have a dissertation to finish and long tube takes a lot of my time. Hammer and sickle. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, you got to be careful with those kinds of things. Got to be careful with YouTube channels you really like. Got to be careful with video games you know are going to suck you in if you definitely have a project, like a dissertation. And good luck with that, um, that you have to get done. That's some that's some big time stuff. And, and I wish you well on that. The dissertations that I've had the chance to see uh, frightening, confuse me. You don't have to write a dissertation to be a lawyer. Uh, and uh, I'm all, all the better for it. But good luck on yours. Definitely. I know that's a lot of hard work. Danny M, great job with your channel, man. Smiley face emoji. Well, thank you. Uh, let's see here. Papa Hogue likes us. Papa Hogue does like you. Papa Hogue loves popping in uh, and saying hi. Uh, and look at this. We're going to buoy his spirits this morning. Look at all this positivity for Papa Hogue. And Jem says, Hogue, Tropico question mark? Eyes emoji? Tropico is a lot of fun, isn't it? Tropico is a strategy game in which you play as a Carib uh, Caribbean island dictator and have to deal with making your uh, country work amidst kind of the Cold War usually, but there's different eras uh, that this happens in the United States and uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, and I, that sounds like more serious than it is. It's goofball. Um, and uh, it's an interesting strategy concept to be like, okay, you're a, you're a small nation that has to deal with all these other things. And, and how do you how do you do that? Um, and that's a that's a very fun series of games uh, that has been around, man, for decades now at this point. So I definitely check that out. Angela says, I don't like games, so I'm here for Hangouts and Headlines, which is fair. We're just hanging out right now, so that still counts uh, as the Hangouts and Headlines. Thoughts on Obi-Wan? No. 
in all seriousness, I used to love Star Wars. Since Disney took it over, that's kind of faded. Uh, and the Obi-Wan show, which I was looking forward to, Ewan McGregor's awesome, and he continues to be awesome, is not at the production level or writing level that I had hoped it would be at. Um, so Obi-Wan very much didn't like, don't watch it next to Stranger Things season four because the production difference is massive. Um, but Stranger Things absolutely loved this weekend. Obi-Wan very much did not. Thank you for asking. Uh, what else, what else do we have here? Oh, is, is my wife here at Mrs. Hoaglaw is the real, is the real Mrs. Hoaglaw. She might just wind up starting talking with you about cucumber sandwiches or something along those lines. Crazy Cat Queen, morning from Tallahassee, Florida, favorite board game? It depends, like all things, like on how I'm feeling that day. Uh, but one of my favorite board games is um, uh, Marvel Champions, where you play as one of the Marvel heroes and you, you play against the villains. I really like how that game comes together and the variability that you get in it. I love Eldritch Horror. Um, I, you'll probably get the notion that I really like cooperative games. Those are the ones that I can get to the table most often. Um, I'm told that in competitive games, I can be a little aggressive uh for family settings so uh you know cooperative games have proven to be that that sweet uh, that sweet spot i really love unmatched have you guys ever played unmatched uh that's a competitive game um but unmatched features um mostly public domain heroes uh that all can work together so you can just keep buying these heroes so you can have sherlock holmes versus bigfoot or a tyrannosaurus rex versus alice in wonderland uh, all these various things that you can do with that particular series it's a very simple game Oh, man, I love Unmatched. Now I want to go play Unmatched. Thank you for the question. Maybe Unmatched is my favorite board game right now, but I love a ton of board games. Such good stuff here. Moving forward, have you ever played Papers, Please? Weird game. Yes, I have. Papers, Please is, I think, uh, best described as being about the cold bureaucratic nature of being involved in one of these uh, these countries that's collecting information from people and how you kind of can lose their humanity uh, and have to deal with that while also getting your job done. Um, and so Papers, Please is a is an interesting indie game. I love indie games. They have such interesting ideas uh, that I remember liking a lot. I haven't played it in a while, I have to be honest. Dad, you don't have to keep super chatting. I will actually find your little chats, and I will try to highlight them. Uh, thanks to everyone. I love my son and admit bias, uh, but he is more articulate and a much better lawyer than me. Uh, thumbs up emoji. Smiley face, blushing emoji, heart emoji. Yeah, uh, dad, if you didn't know, is a lawyer. Uh, but he hasn't practiced law in many a year. Um, and so, you know, he was probably part of the inspiration for me becoming a lawyer. Uh, but um, uh, dad, thank you so much for the super chat. And thanks for everybody saying hi to my dad. Becca G, when will we see the Papa Hogue collab? Smiling, eyes shut emoji, blue heart emoji. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see if dad ever wants to come on. We're not really rigged for multiple people at once. We'd have to set him up in his house. Um, but uh, don't know. Don't know. Um, my wife says we've already covered sandwiches. So they're moving on to other topics. You missed Cucumber Sandwich Day. If you go into the chat from Legal Bites last night, you will get some of that. Um, and it looks like looks like we're, we're coming up on 730 uh, and unfortunately, it looks like our guests won't pop in. So we'll just we'll just do what we do here. We'll analyze articles. It's no big deal. Um, Zrail, the author, hey, Hogue, hopes for the state of play tomorrow. Hype check. Yes, do check that hype. The state of play tomorrow is probably not terribly exciting. But like all third party state of play, state of plays for those of you that don't know, is a video done by Sony 
for their PlayStation brand, where they will talk about games you'll be playing in the future. Uh, and the state of play is said to be about third-party games, meaning games not made by Sony itself. And whenever they announce third-party content, I always assume and hope for Final Fantasy 16. So we'll see if Final Fantasy 16 pokes its head out of the ground. Otherwise, don't get too terribly excited about all that stuff. I can't, I can't recommend it. Usually you'll be disappointed by all these things. All right. Let's, uh, does the guest have the link? Yes, everybody has links. Uh, everybody has links. Did you, wait a minute. You mean you already discussed cucumber sandwiches today? All right. Okay. All right. There you go, folks. That's my wife. She discusses cucumber sandwiches in all the chats. Um, but uh, fantastic. Let's, uh, let's, let's look at the article, shall we? <clears throat> so, as I said in the thumbnail, uh, this is Monica Lewinsky's take on Depp v. Heard. Now, if you don't know Monica Lewinsky, she'll tell you to look her up uh, in this article. Uh, but Monica Lewinsky was embroiled in a scandal in the White House in the 1990s uh, under the Bill Clinton administration. Uh, and the scandal was of a sexual nature. You can really look up the facts of this uh, as much as you want. And it led to the impeachment of the president for effectively lying as part of the investigation. And there's so many more details there and it gets so political. But the point of this is that she is, um, I think rightly positioning herself as someone that has gone through this kind of close scrutiny like we are seeing for Amber Heard. And, and that's something that I think is useful both to know historically and also to give credit to, right? There's very few people who can speak to being under uh, the culture's spotlight uh, like Amber Heard is right now. And you've heard me say in this space, uh, you know, that some of that stuff does, in fact, go too far for my liking. Right. Some of this is going to be taste. Some of this is going to be a subjective analysis. But some of the things I see online with respect to Amber Heard, in my opinion, do, in fact, go too far. Um, and so Monica Lewinsky comes in here and I thought she'd just be talking about that. I thought she would just be talking about the edges uh, of the Internet, those cases that really press on Amber Heard, not as a person, but as a meme. Uh, and that that could be part of what she discusses here. And she does. But she also advances her position against realistically everybody that's otherwise interested in this particular court case. And I think that's unwarranted. And we'll talk about why. Um, but she does make some good points. And we'll try to give those credit when we pass them as well. Monica Lewinsky's verdict on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. We are all guilty. Now, this is interesting. This is one of the reasons why I flagged this article in the first place. Uh, whenever you say something like this, a pronouncement like this, my alerts go up, right? My shields go up because in general, no matter what you're talking about, we are all probably doesn't apply. So when you're saying, Hey, this trial makes us all guilty. I say, Hmm, not so sure. The sub headline here is courtroom porn and social media have turned innocent bystanders into a mass of mudslingers. And to some extent that might be true. It's not all innocent bystanders, even though the headline is we are all guilty. So let's talk about it. Unless you're a troglodyte, not a troglodyte, you've been exposed to something about the Depp v. Heard trial in the past few weeks. Like many, I have averted my eyes with guilty fascination, even as I've kept track of the defamation conflagration. Now, just as a writing style, I do think by the time you're writing defamation conflagration, you've gone too far and you want to ease back a little, but that's just a subjective standard. Uh, there are turns of phrase here uh, where it's clearly trying to be uh, more flowery, 
than uh, other contexts for, for an article like this. Uh, and that's interesting enough because we've certainly talked with or listened to a very flowery description of events in the very recent past. Um, but she watches with guilty fascination uh, as she keeps track of the defamation conflagration. And for purposes of this article, conflagration essentially just means tire fire. As we all do nowadays, we watch or we read or we media graze about these private turned public spectacles in bits and bites. So here, here we have the first thesis, right? As we all do, we watch or read or media graze about this trial in bits and bites. Now, I don't think she's just trying to call out legal bites, um, but, you know, fantastic if she is. Uh, it's important to note what the thesis of this article is, which is not what many of you are probably engaged in, watching the trial in its entirety. It is this notion that we only get our news fed to us by Facebook clips and TikTok clips and various other things around the internet. Now, what's interesting about that is not only that so many of you aren't doing that, so many of you are watching either Law and Crime or Emily Baker or Legal Bites or wherever you're finding your news coverage of these things, you're watching them in their entirety and you are evaluating them for yourselves. It's the thesis that everybody is not doing that. Fearing that the sheer rancor and vulgarity might leave a kind of virtual stench or in my case, worrying that prolonged viewing might be triggering. Don't know what I'm talking about? Google 1998. Now, I, I'm not sure, and I can't speak to Monica Lewinsky's situation. I'm not sure why this particular set of events as described would be triggering to her and her story. But if it is, absolutely avoid uh, avoid looking at it. I just don't, I don't quite get the connection between what has been described in this case and what is described in the Lewinsky case. That's fine. That's, that's my issue, not hers. Um, but we see here, in the opening paragraph, what's going to ultimately be a long-term problem for this article, which is that what she wants to castigate, what she wants to throw in the bin, what she wants to um, look down upon is this notion that you're getting your news from these little drabs uh, and these and these little things that are curated by others. I think she'll call them weirdos in this article. And that's just not the case. And if we really back up a step and we think about exactly how court trials have been told to us or anything else in the legal sphere, for the most part, We've only ever been getting secondary sources from, you know, mainstream media and reporters and things like that. But ask yourself seriously whether or not that is better or worse than many of the people that are consolidating uh, clips of the trial, otherwise sharing them with you. And I think it's obviously and certainly worse than those folks that are providing platforms for you to watch it in its entirety. Um, so we're already starting out on somewhat uh, troubled ground. Uh, but we will continue because she does make some good points about at least those folks that are doing this. And there are some. Today, most of us, so we've already backed down from all of us, are consuming gossip news and entertainment news totally differently than we did in the days of yore. Now, outside of the fact that I'm not sure why news is mentioned twice here, I don't know if news and entertainment news are actually that different, but she's advocating here in this paragraph that we have had our culture shift even more than when, when we started. From the first televised trial of the Nazis' final solution architect, Adolf Eichmann, in 1961, and that sounded wrong to me, so I did look up some of this stuff. I found articles about murder trials and things being televised throughout the 50s. So, you know, I, I this might be, this might have some other kind of qualifier, nationally televised, something like that. There are a lot of trials that begin being televised in the 1950s. Um, I don't know. Uh, if we're being uh, not, if we're being cynical, if we're not giving her the benefit of the doubt, 
this is a useful one to reference because she's trying to make all of this sound tawdry, that there is no value in watching court cases. And this sounds like something that is, you know, salacious. And that's why it's the first televised trial. To the dawn of court TV in the 1990s, Google the people of the state of California versus Ornithol James Simpson. Again, I think we're a little high and mighty here in terms of whether or not we, rec we remember or at least can reference the O.J. Simpson case. Instead, in lieu of watching coverage in real time, yes, Johnny C. Depp II versus Amber Laura Heard has been available on Court TV's website and via live stream on YouTube. We have sampled mediated accounts of the trial on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook through memes, video clips, and TikTok nuggets. Our consumption, therefore, has tended to be biased, curated, and cursory. This is an assumption out of nowhere, folks. This is completely out of the air. And while you have a parenthetical here that says, yes, Court TV has been streaming it, Court TV isn't even the biggest at this point in time. We've just done videos about Emily Baker's success, about Nick Ricada's success, about law and crime success, with millions of people watching in real time on those platforms, in addition to Court TV, and in addition to whatever other linear solutions there might be for watching this. So she starts out with a thesis that, in my opinion, is frankly just wrong. Um, and she doubles down on it by acknowledging, yes, there's court cases, but most of us are using it through these clips. And I, I would argue that most of us probably are in so far as that's just the time people have in their day, but it's certainly not the only way that you can watch this. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of people more than in OJ Simpson's case, more than in all of these prior trials that are watching it directly and evaluating the evidence for themselves. So we're already starting in a weird place in this article because the assumption is most people have a biased, curated, and cursory view of the case at hand. And I've tried my damnedest over eight weeks to make sure that that's not, in fact, the case. What's more, Ms. Lewinsky offers, we have become so attuned to this narrow, cynical cycle of social media encounters that we consider the trial not tragic or pathetic, but as a pure car wreck, accessible, tawdry, and immediately gratifying. We dispense with critical thinking and substitute the cheap thrill. Such scattershot consumption hasn't allowed for real comprehension. Instead, we experience only apprehension, knee-jerk outrage, and titillation. It's like going to the opera and reading a couple of translated supertitles, but not understanding Italian. And despite whatever else this is, it is a soap opera. Now, this paragraph is all over the place, uh, right? So if we look at this just in terms of beginning and end, we have a castigation of those that are following this because it's for a cheap thrill. But the ending thesis is that it is, in fact, a soap opera, right? So what this appears to want to say is we should be treating this as tragic or pathetic, looking at it from a real world point of view. These are people in a courtroom, but not even Monica Lewinsky actually goes that direction. It's almost like she's working through why she watches this at all or looks at this at all in the context of a Vanity Fair article, which is fine. We all have to kind of think about why we do the things that we do and work through it. But I tend to avoid saying whatever I'm thinking about a subject means that everyone is thinking about that subject in the same way. So maybe she feels that her consumption is biased, curated, and cursory. Maybe she feels that what she's seeing gets into that cheap thrill territory and it's a soap opera. And she feels badly about not seeing it as tragic or pathetic, which she wants to. But that doesn't mean that everybody is doing that, especially when the thesis is wrong. 
there are more live streams of this court case than maybe any in existence. Uh, and so, so many people are watching it. Honestly, so many articles are about how many folks that are streaming this trial have managed to increase their subscriber base or otherwise become more popular because of that coverage. Now, there's also stories about those folks uh, having that same effect from doing TikTok videos or other quote unquote curated content. But I really don't think you can split up what's happening in this particular case that way. Continuing basically on the same premise, in this perfunctory voyeuristic way, I grazed through the testimonies, through cross-examination, through summation, observing not the trial, but distorted shadows of the trial as reflected through the lenses of friends and pundits and weirdos. And the queasier I felt about this behavior, even if millions of others were doing the same, the more I came to realize that distortion, not objectivity, has evolved into an acceptable lingua franca. And the real weirdness here, the real weirdness to me at least, is that we've always viewed every news item we've ever heard about through the lens of someone telling us about it. We are not in these war-torn countries, hopefully. If you are, my apologies. We are not in the room where it happened for many of these stories. We are being told this usually in our history by someone with a press thing on the little hat like in the cartoons and a notepad taking an account for us and relaying it to us. To some extent, those are friends and pundits and weirdos as well. What instead you're getting now is live streams and evaluation by people. And yes, I think that some of those are probably distortive. In fact, I know that they are. And I think that some of those are probably problematic. But to be honest, in an age of the 21st century, social media literacy and critical thinking skills are paramount for everyone to learn and to be able to evaluate. And honestly, that's some reason why headlines exist so that we can talk about how I read these articles and how I think the rhetoric in them is being used to either curate or otherwise um, contour what you're thinking about a story. So to me, the fact that, you know, Legal Bites or Emily Baker is out there giving you context is not worse than the LA Times or the New York Times or the Washington Post giving you that context. If you get the chance to evaluate the primary source material for yourself, which those platforms obviously allow you to do. Now the cartoon faces and the Pinocchio noses and the cry counters and things like that, I don't love. I think it coarsens the culture, but some people do. And if some people can find better information through that gateway, honestly, I think that's probably a better thing overall in the long term. Whether or not it's an acceptable lingua franca then depends entirely on how you feel about the modern age of social media and how you are choosing to utilize it. It is not my fault that you are only watching TikTok videos about this and you find yourself grossed out. That's not my fault. But if you actually got there and find this information, it is in fact out there. So I'm not going to allow the premise that you have to go this direction and this is where society inevitably goes. Now, there is a complicating factor at play, says Monica Lewinsky, because the trial has also been available live on our screens. We think subconsciously, that we have a right to look and watch. In fact, we do have a right to look and watch, to judge and to comment. And we end up with this confusing cultural crossover of watching two people whom we are used to seeing as actors acting on a screen in a setting, a courtroom, where we would normally expect them to be assuming their character's roles. And I think this is maybe the strongest point she actually makes, that this is a weird kind of circumstance with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp in this particular courtroom 
it can feel like you're watching a movie, right? Because these are movie stars. Now, it doesn't feel like you're watching a movie when you're, you know, watching video depositions of surveillance uh, footage and whatnot and all sorts of other boring days that happened over this past seven weeks. But it can definitely feel like a movie, especially when the parties are on the stand and it can be weird. And I think that's one of the things that people are reacting to in this particular instance. And I take Monica Lewinsky's point here well, but that doesn't grant her previous points in the article. The blurring of public figures and private lives can do a number on us as bystanders, as an audience. We end up being torn between our parasocial relationships with celebrities. And you've heard parasocial a lot in the articles we've talked about over the past few weeks, primarily directed at the folks that are actually doing the social media broadcasting. But here with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, or as the parenthetical says, we identify them with them. We pretend that, gee, we actually know them. And our need to see public personalities taken down a notch or two and taken down publicly so as to make our wounded selves feel better in comparison. And again, these are pronouncements, right? The headline is, we are all guilty. And I will tell you, spoiler alert, that's her last line in this article. And these are all philosophical pronouncements about why you're watching, how you're watching, and why you feel the need to watch. We end up being torn because we identify these with celebrities and we need to see public personalities taken down a notch to make our wounded selves feel better. I cannot speak for everyone, but I reject that notion in its entirety for how I have observed Depp be hurt. Um, so this is where you get into trouble when you're writing an argument, right? If the reader doesn't recognize some kernel of truth in what you just said, when you're making these kinds of pronouncements, you're going to lose them entirely. And it's going to start sounding like nonsense. Um, and I have no doubt that Monica Lewinsky believes this. This is not to throw her under the bus on these kinds of things, but to point out that these kinds of generic statements about huge groups of people, we, everyone, we're all guilty, uh, is where you lose folks when they don't line up with their experiences. As Aldous Huxley put it in Brave New World, we are hooked, hooked on Soma, a drug that we think is making us feel better, but is, absolute, but is actually numbing us. And courtroom prawn does just the trick. It really wasn't until the other week that I began my grazing. So probably I would have elevated this until the top of this article. This is where you find out that Ms. Lewinsky hasn't actually been watching this trial very long and only started grazing on it, as is her term, uh, a week ago or so. I'd retweeted a thread from writer Ella Dawson uh, at Bros and Pros that had been receiving a lot of attention. And then I dove in. I wasn't surprised that the memes about Amber Heard far outnumbered those about Johnny Depp. I wasn't surprised that the cruel and vitriolic discourse was predominantly aimed at women at, or at the woman. So here we have, I think, the fundamental issue. And I think we've seen this throughout articles. A lot of folks have asked me, you know, why do you think the MSN is, has so many headlines that are in favor of Amber Heard? Why do you think they're happening this way? And I, I've talked about it a little bit. I think it's because, especially if you're grazing, if you're not watching the trial, if you didn't watch all of Amber Heard's testimony and her cross-examination, then you want to, to look at things through the lens that you have set up, which is that the structures, as we saw in the Washington Post article uh, written by Ms. Heard, the structures are designed to protect powerful men against women. And it's easy enough to see that if you're not looking at the facts on the ground in this particular case, right? It's easy enough to see a situation where Amber Heard's getting all these bad memes made about her, all this negative attention, all this vitriol on the internet. It is, in fact, out there. 
Uh, and if you've watched the whole thing, you will note that part of it exists probably uh, because many folks think that she is lying or at least exaggerating uh, and that she is lying about ex very, very heinous things that can destroy people when those things are lied about. I talked on the stream when she first went up to the stand that I have trouble actually fathoming that someone would go so far as to lie about those things because it's so beyond the pale. Uh, and so if you are just grazing, if you are just meeting with your friends and weirdos, as Ms. Lewinsky attests to in this particular article, I can see how you just show up on the Reddit and you look at various things and you think, oh, it's another one of those situations where the internet or whomever is just ganging up on the woman because that's the lens in which you view the world. Here, there's much more going on, as we know, if we followed the trial, because uh, of everything that has an exaggerative quality of the cases that are actually presented by Depp and Hurt. But she continues down this line. You've already kind of crossed the Rubicon. You know where the rest of this article goes. And I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was, that shortly after my search, I began to be served suggested posts on the trial. But they were less about Depp and Hurt, more seemed to idolize Camille Vazquez, Depp's lawyer, for her performance, quote unquote, don't know what the quotes are for, cross-examining Hurd, parenthetical, oh, you thought this wouldn't have any girl-on-girl -girl action in this trial? That's on Misogyny's Greatest Hits album. Camille Vasquez, ladies and gentlemen, functionary representative of misogyny. And now you've lost the plot entirely, right? Not only that, you use language that is very suggestive of prawn itself. Why? I have no idea. Camille Vasquez is a woman doing her job, doing it well, uh, and happens to be on Johnny Depp's uh, litigation team. I don't know why she should suffer for being a woman or why that means that she's playing into the patriarchy or misogyny in general. This is where we really go off the rails. This legal spectacle would be sad enough if it just impacted the personal lives of Depp, Heard, and their loved ones. It would be sad enough even if we just consider how it impacted domestic violence survivors or those who have sought strength in the Me Too movement. However, it's the larger implications for our culture that concern me the most, the ways we have stoked the flames of misogyny, and separately the celebrity circus. Depp v. Heard has stoked the flames of misogyny. I don't know about that. I don't know about that because the question is if Johnny Depp is as he appears to be in the case that he presented and if Amber Heard appears to be the more aggressive one at least, and I have no idea what the verdict is going to be, then is it right for a male survivor of domestic abuse to bring these kinds of claims? And the answer would appear to be using the logic in this article that it is not because that kind of action will quote unquote stoke the flames of misogyny. Now, I don't see exactly how a male victim defending himself could be misogynistic in nature. But again, when you make these pronouncements, when you'd make your social media your message and you say any given instance that we might otherwise be looking at is indicative of everything that we know or don't know as a society, then you get into this situation where Johnny Depp can't defend himself because to do so as a representative of men, keeping women down and women have had the Me Too movement and they need it. And I've said in this space and other spaces, I like the concept of taking a bright shining light to the structures of our government and judicial system and making sure that every single demographic gets the redress and the proper investigation and everything else that they need. But it can't be that any given individual can't seek that same redress because to do so would be against the message. Uh, and so when you get to this paragraph, you're really, really 
really losing the plot. I think we're about three paragraphs into where the plot was lost. It's back there. It's not just two individuals and how you feel about them or this situation. It's the cultural collateral damage. And this is what Ben Rothenborg put in front of the jury uh, last week. It's the reason that you saw Ben Chu and Depp's legal team file a motion saying it is completely outside the bounds of the law to tell the jury that they need to evaluate the quote unquote cultural collateral damage for ruling in their client's favor. As Ms. Lewinsky says, it's the implicit messaging that burrows into us like the worm bugs from the matrix, crawling deep into our collective unconscious, our angst, our fiber. Dawson's thread referenced the trial's impact on those currently suffering in domestically abusive relationships and those who have survived them. And suddenly after my retweet, a Twitter war ensued in my timeline over whether the plaintiff or the defendant was more responsible for triggering domestic violence survivors with a quote, and the Oscar for Best Trauma Triggering Performance goes to. And again, we see here that the assumption is that Amber Heard is telling the truth. And we see this buried in most of these articles uh, because what Ms. Lewinsky is objecting to here is that she was retweeting or otherwise commenting on the fact that this entire trial hurts the ability of domestic abuse survivors uh, to deal with their situations or to come forward or to do these various kinds of things. And she didn't like that what she got in her timeline was people saying, yes, that's Amber Heard's fault. Um, and honestly, reasonable minds can differ on this. I tend to think that Amber Heard is in fact lying at this point after hearing all the evidence on many, if not all of the allegations that she has basically brought. Uh, I know it's a defamation case, but in terms of what she says happened in these various circumstances. And once you think that, it's entirely appropriate to say, well, who is at blame in this trial for doing that kind of quote unquote triggering it would, in fact, be Amber Heard. Um, so what you've got is a situation where this person is grazing, doesn't have a lot of knowledge about the trial, thinks she sees something that she recognizes because, and we have to be generous here, she has been through kind of the cultural outrage mob from the 90s and 2000s, thinks she recognizes what's happening and gets it wrong because it looks like what she went through, but it's based on entirely different premises. And I am sympathetic to that. I'm sympathetic to the author on this, but that doesn't make it right. In the end, the ways we have contemptuously co-opted the trial for our own purposes are a sign of how many of us, the social media mongrelized, have continued to devalue our dignity and humanity. Do you have thoughts on Depp v. Heard because you're devaluing our humanity? Wow. Forgive me if I climb on my high horse for a paragraph or two. Having been on the receiving end of this kind of cruelty, I can tell you the scars never fade, and I am sympathetic to that, but that is an appeal to authority to which you do not have on this particular topic in this particular case on this particular day. I'm certainly not here to tell you not to watch the verdict or not to have an opinion. Okay, sounded like you were above, but that's fine. But what is too much? What is defined as too far? As we have watched this story unfold, what does our opinion entitle us to? Does it entitle us to say what, whom we believe? I think so. <laughs> to restate the cherry-picked facts we've glommed onto that have led us as virtual jurors to just feel it in our bones. And this is the second time in as many days we've seen this kind of argument, right? We've seen the paraphrased quote that says, well, the people that are against Amber Heard, they just feel it. They don't have good reasons for what they are otherwise saying. They just have a feeling. I know the type, that kind of thing that we saw yesterday. And that is, in my experience, not at all the case. And again, if you haven't been following me for a while, 
You can go into the opening day of the trial, and I tell you, Johnny Depp has no chance of winning because a defamation against a public figure is virtually impossible to win, and that the statements in the Washington Post aren't terribly defamatory, and I really didn't see how this was going to work. And then as I go through the trial saying, oh, it's a pretty, that's a pretty good case from the Depp side, but we have to listen to Amber Heard. And then I listen to Amber Heard and I say, okay, all right, Johnny Depp's got the better side of the case. And I arrive at that pretty naturally. I didn't bring anything else to the party, but I would be put into the camp as would everyone else that followed that path or even just allowed themselves to listen to Amber Heard and then evaluate her as such into the camp that says, we are the social media mongrelized and are devaluing our humanity by evaluating these things separately. And to assume that we're using cherry picked facts to do so, and that all of us just feel it in our bones if we disagree or otherwise evaluate the credibility of the witnesses. If you watched the jury instructions, by the way, on the last day of the actual trial before verdict watch began, you know that that's entirely what jurors are entitled to do, that there's an instruction that says you can evaluate the truthfulness and veracity of the witnesses on the stand, and you can discount them entirely if you find their credibility to be wanting. That is how we try people in the United States. And if you watched every minute, I think you're entitled to have that opinion yourself. Now, are there people that aren't doing that, that are otherwise just siding? And is there a mob mentality in certain respects? Maybe. In fact, I would argue that there is in certain corners, but that's not everyone. And to put everybody in that particular category is to do those that choose to use their critical thinking skills, to look at this with the analysis that the jurors will, that puts them in an unfair position and an unfavorable light that is undeserved. Yeah, sure, do we have those things, says Monica Lewinsky. Wait, I'm sorry. After that speechifying I just made, this paragraph that we just read, do we entitle it to say whom we believe and to restate cherry pick facts? Yeah, sure. That might be the quickest back down from an, uh, a paragraph that is pretty high and mighty that I've ever seen. Okay, yes, you can do those things. But does it entitle you to be cruel? No, I don't I don't want to be cruel. What, what are we talking about now? Uh, what is happening in this article, folks? I'm not talking about freedom of speech, okay? I'm talking about social media participants recognizing that they are also part of a society of human beings. Does our opinion towards this case entitle us to feel so superior or inferior that we can create a meme or a TikTok or a tweet saying something that gets other people to laugh at someone who is already suffering? Do we have a right to get dopamine hits or money, hello, Super Chats, from our number of followers or retweets or clicks? Maybe. Depends on what kind of stuff you're providing, doesn't it? You're putting everybody that ever mentions Depp and Heard into a specific bucket, aren't you? Aren't you the one that is otherwise assuming things about people? Aren't you the one that gets an article in Vanity Fair by making those assumptions and aggrandizing yourself to have these kinds of comments? Isn't that what's happening? I don't know. I'm just a YouTuber weirdo. According to science fiction author Greg Fishborn, or Fishbone, founder of the microsite Mythoversal, okay, we're using some very interesting quotes here. For the ancient Greeks, a miasma was a moral taint that hung over a person, family, or city after the commission of a crime. The miasma could cause crop failures, cattle diseases, stillbirths, and other plagues until it could be dispelled by sacrifice, purification, or upon the death of the guilty party. Probably, probably not something we believe in now, but that's fine. What we have now, arguably, that's right, you're, you're making an argument right this second, is a cultural miasma. We are drenched in the taint of the dirt and aggression of the social media wars. The obsessive chatter around the Depp Heard trial is just one small example of the ever-expanding, ever-demanding search for schadenfreude and titillation. Wow, I had no idea. I didn't really feel that way at all. 
no matter whom the jury verdict favors, be it defendant heard or plaintiff Depp, we are guilty. I mean, Monica Lewinsky has spoken. What could I even argue with that, right? I suppose I did it a little bit as we went through this article. So that's Vanity Fair. That's Monica Lewinsky. And again, I'm sympathetic to her position on this, having been through the outrage wars of the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, but that doesn't make her any better position to talk about that. In fact, in what she admits in this article about not having watched much of the trial, of grazing through it and coming to these determinations about everyone who could possibly look at this is frankly just not terribly useful to the overall spectrum of understanding what's happening here and what could be happening here. Um, so I appreciate it, but at the end of the day, I just didn't find it terribly useful. What do you guys think? You can leave a comment in chat. Uh, you can leave it with Ad Hoc Law. You can leave a super chat, of course. We're going to go over some of those super chats. We're going to go over the discussion points from this particular article. Uh, and let me know in the comments or in the chat. Otherwise, I've got a lot of requests for people that want to do effectively just the headlines portions of this. Uh, so I'm talking with an editor uh, about potentially pulling out and making a just the headlines playlist. Um, so let me know if that would be a value to you, if you think that would be a good idea for the video on demand side of the channel. Uh, I certainly want to meet people where they live on these kinds of things, but I really like the hangouts and headlines vibe uh, that we get from kind of conversing about all sorts of things. Um, so let's take a look at some of those super chats. Uh, we'll go back to the main screen here. Jeff Moser just got V rising last night. Stoked to try it. Good luck. I hope you enjoy it. Scott R. Hefner, it is easy to see why this would be triggering for her, but she's talking about her own experience. Those of us watching know the truth. Hashtag justice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, in terms of matching up the facts, I again, I'm not, if she says it's triggering to her, that's that's entirely her business. Um, and certainly just the concept of kind of a media outrage mob or, or non-media outrage mob, I can see kind of working in that direction. And, and again, in that particular section of the article, it was just me wondering openly about what might be most problematic about the trial for her in particular, not denying that it was in fact uh, triggering for her because I'm not in a position to do that at all. Crazy Cat Queen, this article seems like attention-seeking behavior in my opinion, as if Monica Lewinsky is trying to become relevant again, kind of sly looking to the side emoji face. Um, you know, I don't know, you hear me talking about it at the end when she's effectively castigating those that otherwise seek dopamine, likes, retweets, and clicks as part of the trial as this being a portion of that. And we've seen that from the media at large, right? We've seen that from The Guardian. We've seen that from the various places we've covered that effectively what you can imagine happening in the back room is we got to cover this case somehow, but we don't want to be in the dirt with those people. And so what they do is they make these articles that are effectively aggrandizing moral high horse type opinion pieces. And this is one of those, not to say that this isn't her real opinion, just that it's not very well informed and not very useful for those of us that have been following things for longer. Fee in the shed, the Nuremberg trial stories were the first to be shown to the public via the path news in cinemas in the UK, obviously pre-TV days, shrug emoji from Scotland. Yeah, that's interesting. I tried to limit the search that I did to those that were fully broadcast. Um, so I didn't do the clips and things. I think that makes sense to me. I think I saw that. So that's a, that's well taken. Um, but I think the ones that were happening in Texas in the 50s were the full trial. I think that's what I saw. Uh, but you can definitely check for yourselves. And if you find anything different, let me know. Detective Seeds, get this man likes up chat. Well, thank you, Detective Seeds. I really appreciate it. Yeah, if you want to like this content, if you want to tell YouTube we're having these kinds of conversations, it's much appreciated. Um, so please, please do like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And thank you so much, Detective Seeds. 
Freeman Gunner confession through projection. I don't, I don't know that she's confessing to anything. Well, I guess in terms of what she describes as that kind of grossness, I do think you're getting a lot of, this is how I feel when I look at these kinds of stories. And so I'm going to tell you about it. And that doesn't mean she's wrong. And that doesn't mean that that's not the way that she's interacting with these particular media, but it also doesn't mean it's the way everybody does. Uh, and that's where I always object. Sprite, a woman who has made millions in books, TV shows, appearances uh, for uh, dealing with the president is concerned with the cultural impact of this trial and social media. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, I think Ms. Lewinsky has experienced some of those things and, and had that kind of public persona uh, in many ways. I don't know about the level of her success more broadly. Uh, to be candid, I haven't really thought about her in a long, long time since probably the 90s. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think anybody, regardless of whether it's Monica Lewinsky or not, that's having this kind of commentary is looking at things from a high horse. She admits it. She knows she's doing it. There's a reason there's a parenthetical there that says, yes, I'm going to get on the high horse. But it's still the high horse. Carly loves Big Bang German Hogue fan club. Morning, Hogue. Good morning. Just wanted to send you warm greetings from work. The article is nicely written with bad content. I don't like generalization. Uh, yeah, she has some interesting turns of phrase, doesn't she? I really don't like defamation conflagration. There's references to Brave New World and The Matrix. It's uh, it's odd, uh, but it's not poorly written. No. Mandy Jansen, I don't have time for people who didn't sit here with us for seven weeks and see and hear every witness and piece of evidence from this trial. Uh, eyes rolling emoji uh, times three. Jessica McIntyre, so many articles from people who haven't actually been watching. Not a word about the fact that Amber Heard outright fabricated evidence. There's not a word about anything vis-a-vis -vis the evidence in the case. There's not one word about anything that you might evaluate or why people might otherwise be coming to the conclusion that they're coming to. It's the one thing that's always missing in these particular articles, right? Like I said in one of the earlier ones that we talked about, the easiest thing to say as to why this is happening is that people don't believe Amber Heard. That is the Occam's razor answer of what you are actually witnessing online with respect to this particular topic. And yet these articles almost always ignore it. It's very interesting. Samuel Anderson, high school essay vibes, all premise, no argument. It's got a lot of that metaphor uh, view. Let's throw in some matrix, brave new world. It's got a lot of that. It does. Dad, hello again. <laughs> <laughs> You're being very funny this morning. I love you. Camille Vasquez is one of the finest litigators I have seen, including all that I have practiced against. Monica Lewinsky never contributed anything to help our society and has no credibility anymore. Depp is no Clinton. Okay. Yes. Strong words from dad. Um, so yeah, Camille Vasquez, obviously very, very successful, completely unwarranted kind of sideswipe on her uh, from Monica Lewinsky in a very odd way in that paragraph. So I hear you, dad. I hear you. Ruben Martin's start of stream was, um, what is, what is that? Like a meeple and a rainbow. Now I'm triggered. Where's cowboy hat? Uh, I think everybody's just getting ready for the day. We're going to have verdict watch on legal bites as we do at about eight 45. Um, Bethany Brenner, if you consider what Monica went through, this article makes sense. She continues to get laughed at for something that happened decades ago. I simply think she doesn't want that for ever, anyone else ever. I think that's right. I think if we're given benefit of the doubt, regardless of how this is written, regardless of what we looked at with respect to rhetoric and argument and everything, I think at a fundamental level, you're probably right that Monica Lewinsky has been through the media wars. She knows what it felt like. She knows how it's basically dominated the definition of her life. Um, and she would seek to not have that happen, but also seek to not have that happen, particularly to the woman. 
right? Like that paragraph effectively about, of course, the memes are against the woman completely elides anything that we actually saw in the case. And I think that's where people react very negatively. And I think justifiably so. Joe Jolina 7, this from the same woman who just in the last year put out a whole mini series of her own tawdry debacle from 25 years ago. Okie dokie, hypocrite much? And that's actually interesting. I don't know that. Did she actually work on making some kind of uh, television or audiovisual product of what, she, what happened to her in the 90s? Because that does change the equation with this particular article pretty substantially. Um, did that occur? I'm going to take your word for it, but that would that would that that is an argument well presented by you, uh, if if that in fact is the case. David, she is triggering for me as she's trying to make us all feel guilty. She is trying to do that. She says we are all guilty. Andrew Nichols, uh, ML, absolutely has the right to profit from her story. Hundred percent. She was a young woman torn to shreds and ridiculed for years. More power to her for making money now. Absolutely, she has the right. But if you do go down that road, it's it, it may be something that prevents you from making the kind of statements that we saw in this article, or at least rhetorically prevents you uh, from doing that. But 100%, she has the right to go make money off her story. Fun times. Thanks for the hangouts and headlines that has become part of my morning routine before work. Big toothy grin emoji. Thank you for the super chat and the support. Andrew Nichols, maybe Elon could buy her a lower horse. You know what? That is ex excellent, topical, and timely for like a hundred different stories that are going on. Much respect, Andrew Nichols, uh, for that particular Elon joke. Uh, Megan Lotwall, isn't it contradictory, though, to write about what people are talking about Amber Heard and then calling out Camille Vasquez to be misogynistic just for doing her job? Yes. It's very contradictory there. And it gets into this kind of factionalism, tribalism, and team-based mentality, right? Because what did Camille Vasquez do? other than her job, other than be successful in this cross-examination. And, and essentially, she's dragged into this article because people liked her. People liked seeing her do that. And Monica Lewinsky says that's because they're misogynists and they like to see Amber Heard torn to shreds. But I think what they like is that to see exaggerations and lies exposed. And that's what Camille Vasquez did so effectively with all of the, this is the photo the next day, this is the photo the next day, this is the video appearance the next day, this didn't really happen, did it? And all the rest uh, is very, uh, very effective in taking down those exaggerations and or lies. Rhonda in progress, she is using her own experience to ignore the experience of thousands of DVSA survivors that appreciate the trial being public and believe Johnny Depp. Yeah, well, like I said, I think the article features a lot of this makes me feel gross. And so I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you why everybody who looks at this is gross. Um, and yeah, I think that devalues a lot of things. Uh, when Ironically enough, she's accusing the rest of us of devaluing basically everything ever. King Ramon 83, thank you for the super sticker. I really appreciate it. Q Revere, Lewinsky, do not miasma me. I'm going to miasma. Uh, oh, do not miasma me. I'm going to miasma. I see. Yeah. Um, miasma is a fantastic word. It's a word that I love. Uh, it features a lot of the video games that I play, in all honesty. They love that word, too. Uh, but, yeah, it's just it's just a wild kind of quote. You go and find somebody using the term miasma uh, from like nowhere. Uh, and then you say, well, we're, we have a cultural miasma. It's okay. All right. All right. Shabazz, inevitable. My dog stepped on a bee. Sick emoji. Yeah, that did happen. Roxanne wins. I think just having the headline portion of the videos would be great. It's disheartening to see someone who went through something similar. Absolutely it is. But just keeps perpetuating the same issues with the mainstream media she experienced. I think you can argue that is happening here, um, that she's getting out in front, making it more public. Whatever reason she has for doing so heightens that spotlight effect, heightens everything else that she might otherwise be complaining about. And again, she didn't watch the trial. 
So it's really hard to evaluate on those bounds, period. Aaron Flemons, Depp is no Clinton on multiple levels. Bravo, Hogue Dad. There you go. Frederick Bolton, are you also the 8-bit guy? Nope. What's interesting about this channel is a lot of people accuse me of being a lot of other people on YouTube, and I am none of them. I am just me. Moving forward, Monica experienced a world where she was punished and he wasn't. I can imagine her point of view. Makes total sense. She needs to heal. Otherwise, she will lose our respect. Well, I think everybody should get a chance to heal. I want everyone to not have to deal with anything that might be traumatic or that lasts with them for decades on end. Uh, but I still am going to evaluate your argument and your opinion and your article on the basis that I do here. And in this particular instance, I think there are at least a few good points. I really like the point that these are actors in a public setting coming through your TV screens, and that makes you feel like it's an action movie or a courtroom drama. I do think that that is happening, and that's part of some of what she's feeling in terms of grossness, and I think that's well stated. And that's really the strongest point, I think, in the whole article, because she then goes off on her own talking about the fact that this is just misogyny, et cetera, et cetera. Jennifer, you've become a great start to my workday. Thank you so much. Thank you for your point of view and article analysis. Uh, we got partying emojis. We got some things with sparklers and whatnot. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support. And uh, I think this is actually the last super chat. So we might have a we might have a short one today. Uh, Carly loves Big Bang, German Hogue fan club. The new trend are articles from sociologists that say DVSA victims sympathize more with perpetrators, and that's seen in the Justice for Depp movement. I dislike the attitude to downgrade victims' opinions so much. Hashtag dangerous. I haven't heard of that, that there's a push to essentially say that folks that have suffered otherwise are sympathetic to Johnny Depp as a perpetrator. Um, yeah, I think that's wildly devaluing of the individual opinions that people can have. Uh, and I, I do think that there's just gross generalizations of all sorts of things here about how individuals come to their analysis of this situation and all on the backs of a case that realistically looks very, very weak for the Amber Heard side of things. So when it looks that weak, you're building your foundation, whether it's sociologists or Vanity Fair articles or the MSN headlines that we've otherwise talked about, you're building your foundation on sand because the rest of us can look at that and say, there's really not a lot that's very believable in that testimony. Why are you building it over here? Go find something that's a that's an absolute slam dunk to talk about these issues because you don't want this particular case. You don't want Amber Heard as your ambassador to you, ACLU. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing writ large throughout. Andrew Nichols, love your content. It's great to be reminded of all the other views on a subject. Yeah, I think it's good to go out there and see what's uh, what's what's there. I get so many DMs and recommendations to look at these articles. I knew I wanted to do this one um, very early yesterday. That's why I was able to get uh, the, the video reminder up uh, so early. But at the end of the day, you still have to be able to make your argument. And I would love to see more of these articles actually making an argument that we can react to on its own strength rather than just going through and saying, mm, not so sure about that. Jenny, would you mind discussing the jury questions, please? Uh, oh, yeah. The jury asked essentially whether they had to evaluate the headline in the context of the body of the article or whether they could uh, look at the headline itself. And they were told by the judge that they had to look at the headline itself. And the reason they were asking this is because the jury instructions, as we found from other panelists and other channels, are confusing. Uh, and they suggest that you have to take it in context, but you also have to look at it holistically by itself. And the headline is separate from the body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I said yesterday that I felt that that was a pretty pretty pro-depth kind of question. 
because it suggested to me that they had gotten past the republication question, uh, which is that if Amber Heard didn't write the headline, uh, did her tweeting about it with the I published this today uh, kind of addition in her tweet, did that republish it such that she had to take ownership of it? And I think that the jury has found that it did. Again, that's speculation. We're not in the room. We don't know that. But if I were on the jury, I would be answering the republication question first uh, because if I answer that in the negative, the resulting situation is that I don't have to deal with the rest of the pages at all, right? If there wasn't a republication and Amber Heard didn't write it, which the Dep team never advanced, nobody ever accused Amber Heard of writing the headline directly, then I don't have to answer those questions and I can move forward. So that's the first thing I would do if I were in the jury room and say, can we ditch a third of our analysis? That'd be awesome. Um, so I think they've passed that question, no guarantees. Uh, and then when they're asking about how they have to read the headline, uh, that's suggestive of the fact that the republication has been entered. And I think that ultimately the jury will find that um, there was a defamatory statement in that headline. So I think it's a pro-dep answer. Hopefully that helps. Uh, Madingana B, in this trial, so many experts in certain areas feel entitled to weigh in on other topics in which they are definitely no experts. Robert Schnell and now Monica Lewinsky, love your content. Whenever there's a zeitgeist moment, everybody talks about things, right? Including me. Um, so that does, in fact, happen. Hopefully, my analysis is more of the nature of here are the many things I don't know that we can overall evaluate in order to come to a determination on our own and use our critical analysis skills to look at the other things that people are saying. Moving forward, philosophical question. If women were protected in Monica's time the way they are protected now, wonder what she would have done. Thank you for the article. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the 90s weren't so different. Um, and it got real weird because of the politics in play in that story. I highly recommend checking it out and checking out some articles and books about it. Um, it's so political, it's hard to kind of get the real feel for what was happening. But there was a lot of politics involved in all of that. And I don't know whether that would change in a similar circumstance today. I just don't. Jesse Z, hello from A2. That's Ann Arbor to you, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to say good morning and go blue. Go blue, Jesse Z. Adita, I tend to agree with Monica that most people consume this trial via bits and pieces, okay, on social media and not by watching 12-hour streams. I think it has to be the case, but I don't think you can just discount the fact that people are watching those live streams and that some of them are the ones that are helping create that content, right? If you go and you say, hey, I watched Rob's Law & Lumber uh, bed breakdown, and I apologize, Rob, in advance for framing it that way, but you did it to yourself, uh, and you say, hey, I got that, uh, that tidbit from a weirdo and a friend or whatever, Rob is one of those people that's watching most of the trial. Rob is one of those people that's doing analysis. He's a lawyer. Um, and so there are people that are taking the live stream and all the context and content that they are getting. And then, yeah, making it into lesser content, making it into smaller content that's more digestible. But that isn't any different from the reporter, right? That's why I was saying that at the top of the article. That's a different view. That's a different mindset. That's a different perspective, a different lens. But that doesn't make it inherently worse. And I think we see that in the headlines that we're reviewing now. Legal Bites. About 30 minutes until Legal Bites takes the stage over on the Legal Bites media channel. One more super chat. Rick is the best. Thank you, Legal Bites. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that at all. Thank you so much. Mike Hat, thanks for the, all the legal jibber jabber helps with work. I like to think that you just put it on in the background and you just have a voice going on a tab back there. And it's just a nice voice in the workplace and you're not otherwise listening. And it's just helpful as a sound effect. Sometimes I do that with the streams I watch. Captivated Hearts Art. Thank you, Ho. Clapping emoji. Nerd emoji. Thank you. I really appreciate the support. 
Kenneth Palmer, this was an amazing take on the Monica Lewinsky article. Thank you. I wonder what Monica Lewinsky's take would be if Johnny was Jackie and Amber was Albert. <sighs> I hate to speculate on people's brains, but I also would be concerned that we might be seeing a completely different article. Cody Wilson, thanks for sharing your brain with us. Were your parents involved with law? My dad was a lawyer. Uh, my mom was not. Uh, and I always adv uh, advise people to be careful using your law skills on your spouse. Uh, it's, uh, it's easy to get stuck in that trap, but my parents are both great, brilliant people. Uh, and I am so, so thankful for them. And obviously for all the support that continue to show getting up early and doing all of these chats with me. Adita, mad props for Monica. See public shaming episode of John Oliver. I will. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question that she was the center of a cultural outrage mob. And that is deserving of sympathy and empathy and everything else. Um, that is not at all in question when I read through this article. Samuel Anderson, idea, written synopsis slash analysis after highlights. Um, maybe. Uh, written synopsis. Okay, possibly, possibly. We're trying to work within the time I have already and not die. Uh, so uh, we, will, we will think on that. Um, but I'm, I'm glad at least somebody said that they'd be interested in doing a, just the headlines playlist. Dad, what are you doing? The wonderful Mrs. Hoaglaw is bringing me breakfast. <laughs> She is one great daughter-in-law. Great show, Rick. Well, I'm sure the people appreciate that update on uh, your breakfast and my wife's locations. Uh, so uh, I appreciate the super chat, Dad. You're very amusing this morning. Uh, Kent, this is the real last super chat. Hmm, interesting. That's kind of a paradoxical assertion. Let's see if it holds. Nope. Carrie Harvey, <laughs> sorry. Carrie Harvey, for Mrs. Hogue, for cucumber sandwiches and banana bread, smiley face emoji. What are y'all talking about in chat? Love the whole Hogue family. So wholesome. Heart emoji. My wife is the best. Uh, Zushi, and I apologize if I got that name wrong. Memes and TikTok, TikTok are how I found this trial, but the jarring nature of them made me want to do my own unbiased research. Now I've watched it in its entirety. And yeah, I think that can be brought to you, right? And that's the same way that you could be brought to looking at primary source material from another article that you read that's an editorial. And you say, that doesn't sound quite right. So to the extent that they're helping show the unbiased narrative, or at least something that you can evaluate on your own. I can't really object to the TikToks and the social medias of the world, but I do think there's a fair point in there that many are probably getting a somewhat uh, biased, curated, small view. It's just not everybody. And that we can all ad advocate for folks to look at the primary source material and use their critical thinking skills more. God knows I do it here all the time, uh, but that doesn't mean that we're all already not doing that. Erica Ashforth, I love Hangouts and Headlines. I wish there was a way for those of us that are DVNSA survivors that they could address these articles directly to publishers. The fact is we don't believe her, Amber Heard, and we have and were triggered by her lies. Absolutely. Amber Heard is someone to be evaluated independently. Um, and I can think of nothing less misogynistic than that woman has agency that can determine whether or not she lies on the stand about these things. Um, so... Yeah, you don't believe her. That doesn't mean you don't believe women in general. Absolutely. Abby Smith, Monica Lewinsky was a live scarlet letter. Amber Heard is very much not. Absolutely. And I just want to make sure we get the last little ones of these. We've got to redirect on for Legal Bites, uh, who already has the page set up. So I think whenever this particular stream closes, you'll be sent right over there for Verdict Watch Day 2. Shop with Delica, 5 a.m. here in SoCal, the best way to start the day. Good on you for waking up so darn early. And thank you for joining me here in Hangouts. King Ramon 83, another super sticker. Thank you so much, King Ramon. Oh, nope. 
Uh, I, uh, this is somebody talking to Legal Bites in my chat. I apologize. Uh, Nor H, just to keep you talking, hello from Oman. And I apologize. I never get that country pronunciation right. Maybe you can help me with that. I'll try to make sure I get it right. Uh, Nicole F, I wonder if there's any fallout for the ACLU. I think there will be. I think she'll quietly step down as ambassador or they will they will quietly encourage her to step down as ambassador in the long term, not in the immediate um, not in the immediate uh, aftermath of this trial. There'll be a little bit of a time gap. Andrew Nichols, I'm an Australian business owner running at about two hours of sleep. More power to you, business owner. A day over the last few weeks while watching you lot all bloody night. Sleep is for the week, LOL. I don't remember what sleep is like. Tell me a tale of what sleep feels like. Uh, but uh, I'm enjoying doing I'm enjoying doing all this. Samuel Anderson, after highlighting on live stream, breaking down the articles, arguments, logic, assumptions, fallacies, using bullet points, etc., outline good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, yeah. Analysis. I, I mean, it's just a matter of whether or not you'll get a lot less of these if I have to go through that process beforehand. We will see. I can appreciate it. It's a good comment, and I certainly want to make sure the value here is good. So, everybody that joined me today, that was in fact the last super chat. Thank you so much for again hanging out with me. Uh, in Hangouts and Headlines, I am looking to see if we can't edit out the headlines themselves. So if you're interested in just watching those, we can get a playlist up. Might be a little while uh, as we work through the last days of the trial here. Otherwise, if you are following the trial, we've got Verdict Watch Day 2 over at Legal Bites. I will be transporting myself there in 20, 25 minutes. And the redirect, I believe, will send you to the waiting screen for that stream actually going live. Thanks to everybody, uh, and I will see you in the next episode of Virtual Legality.